here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Let's go back down to Bill McDonald. He's with the coach, Lee Matthews. Lee Matthews, uh, not often you get such a convinced, such a big performance like that in a, in a finals game against a side that was expected to be a tight tussle with Yeah, you. well, we just shut down their scoring so well. I mean, a defensive group and I guess our whole defensive mechanisms were, were just fantastic. So to only, I guess, get two goals for three-quarter time and be a long way in front, it was a very powerful, powerful performance and I guess what this team's capable of. Now that was way back 18 years ago in the final series of 2002, more specifically after the qualifying final when Brisbane, who were at the peak of their powers, smashed the Adelaide Crows in a final. And I thought with the AFL Grand Final set to be held in Brisbane this season under obviously very unique circumstances, I thought it'd be an opportune time to have a chat with someone who has covered the game extensively in the Sunshine State for decades. He's been a familiar voice and famous on our screens as a TV journalist in Brisbane with both Channel 7 and Channel 10, and many Victorians will remember him as a boundary rider at various Brisbane-based games over the years. I still remember him as a Channel 10 boundary rider during my childhood when Brisbane were at the peak of their powers in the early 2000s. I speak of Bill McDonald, and he's been kind enough to join us on the line here on SEN tonight. How are you, Bill? G'day, Damien. Nice to be chatting with you. Thanks for that introduction. It's uh, nicer to chat with you from uh, the sporting capital of Australia at the moment, and particularly <laughs> the AFL capital of the nation. Oh, don't, here in Queensland. don't rub it in. It's terrible. <laughs> Only a balmy 19 degrees at the moment. Uh, We're heading for 25 top. I tell you what, these players and these clubs that are up here at the moment must be just <laughs> loving their life up here in the sunshine in what is winter for us. So, yeah, it's a really exciting time in Queensland for AFL footy and AFL footy fans. Absolutely. And we'll get to your time covering footy in Queensland. It's undergone a ma- massive transition over a period of the best part of 30 years. Now, you're based up there. Is the AFL garnering more publicity than usual as a result of this, particularly when you consider none of their NRL teams up in Brisbane or indeed Queensland in general will figure in the finals action. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, thanks very much to um, to Melbourne Storm for coming up here and spending a bit of time. Because at least we've got a, a team in the NRL that's going places and may actually figure in the finals. Uh, you're right, though. All the local uh, NRL teams, the Titans, the Broncos and the Cowboys are having shockers of a year. So in one sense, the stars have lined up for the AFL and... Uh, Having so many teams up here, uh, it's been a really golden opportunity for them to expand the game and grow the game, albeit under difficult circumstances uh, forced on them by COVID. But people are talking about the game a lot and uh, people are are experiencing the game and watching it on TV and they're going out to the Gabba, they're going to the stadiums up and down Queensland. And the other thing that's really helping the interest in the game at the moment is the fact that you hinted on it earlier. Well, the Brisbane Lions have waited for a long time and they're back in the cycle where they've got the window of opportunity open to them for, uh, for not only another premiership, but to, uh, to play in a premiership on their home ground at the Gabba, which would be something quite special. Absolutely, and it does hark back to that 2002 season which I alluded to earlier because you got Port Adelaide and Brisbane potentially bustling it out to take out the minor premiership, which is what they did in 2002 when they played each other in the final round in that famous game in Adelaide. We're speaking with Bill McDonald, uh, one of the great figures on television in terms of 
reporting on Aussie Rules up there, probably one of the first Aussie Rules TV presenters up in Queensland. You started as a cadet journalist in the late 80s when the Bears first started back in 87 in the national competition. Can you remember the first time you had to cover the Aussie Rules game in any capacity? And Was it a sport you followed at all while growing up? That was how I got the job. I guess you talk about Johnny on the spot and being in the right place at the right time. Uh, I had an opportunity. It was all based around the um, the Bears starting in Queensland. And I remember I got an interview with Channel 7 here because they had the rights to the game. And um, so we sat down and we talked about it. And I said, look, I played Aussie rules locally. I played through school. Uh, I wasn't a very good fullback and, and later on Ruckman, but I had a go. And I used to follow the AFL. North Melbourne was my team. <laughs> And so I sat down and had the interview and um, they basically said to me, listen, we know rugby league up here. We report on rugby league. We don't know AFL and we don't want to know AFL. So (laughs) you've got the job. And um, I thought, oh, how good is that? But I didn't realise at the time. then. So I got the job as an AFL specialist, if you like, general roundsman for sport. And then uh, Network Sports said, well, hey, we've, we're doing covering these games out of Brisbane and we need a boundary rider. Have you got anyone? And they said, well, as a matter of fact, we've <laughs> just put someone on. So talk about a lucky break. Oh. And that was the first year and I was as nervous as a kitten on the boundary line because I was seeing and interviewing all these uh, footballers that I idolised on TV. And, and because it all sort of went okay, and I guess it was a bit of a trailblazing role back then for, for boundary riding, at the end of the year, they said, look, we want to say thanks for doing such a good job up there. So I got to go to my first AFL grand final. And I mean, the game was a stinker uh, between, I think, Hawthorne and Towed up Melbourne big time uh, in 87. But uh, I got to sit in the commentary box alongside the likes of um, Ross Glendinning, Malcolm Blight. Uh, I think uh, McAvaney and Landy were calling. Yeah. And, it was just, I was like a kid in a candy store. All these absolute greats of the game who were just so nice. And uh, here's old Bill from up in Brisbane, uh, Queensland, and on AFL State, rubbing shoulders with these guys. Oh, it's magic. We're speaking with Bill McDonald here on SEN. Uh, you speak of those commentators. I watched an old Channel 7 promo clip on YouTube recently, which featured you in a Bears Guernsey fighting for a footy in front of a green screen back in the early 90s with the other commentators wearing other jerseys as well. Do you have fond memories of working alongside callers of the calibre of Peter Landy, Dennis Committee, Drew Morford and co? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Drew lived at God rest his soul. was a wonderful... He was a character, he was funny, he was always always had time for you, and so did, um, did Pete Landy as well. I mean, Pete, I was a kid when Pete Landy was calling footy, so you can imagine what it was like to, to sit in and not only watch him do it, but to hear him calling the game, and it was a grand final. And the, the guys like Glenn Dinning, who sort of, we, we just sort of headed off, and he took me under his arm, and we went out after the game. And, and the same with Blighty, and I still had plenty to do with Blighty when he was up here with the Dolco Suns. And we still talk, and I remember Blighty on that grand final day, and you'd get a break in the game at quarter time, and he'd race out the back of the commentary box, and I'd think, where's he going? What's going on? And he'd get out there as quick as he could, so he could suck back on a dart and try and get a cigarette <laughs> in before the siren started. And I thought, wow, these guys smoke, and yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was just, they were fantastic. Really good guys to knock them. Don Scott, and, um, Ian Robertson as well, uh, and of course, the great Dennis Committee, just watching uh, him. Call the footy game. What a privilege. 
Yeah, they were all smokers back then. I think Pete Landy was the only one, and when they had office meetings, he he used to force them to open the window so he could try and clear the smoke from out of the room. Uh, they were different times, weren't the runner they? Runner too, Pete Landy. So he'd be there in the runners and the healthy gear, and yeah, I remember that. And he'd be like, oh, you guys, get outside, and he'd have the shorts on, and he'd be sort of business above the waist, and he'd have the runners and shorts on below the waist. <laughs> oh, that is sensational. We're speaking with Bill McDonald here on SEN. Tell us about those early days at Carrara in particular, watching the Bears play, and what was it like being a boundary rider back in those days when it was a little bit more fire and brimstone with the coaches? I've heard of a particular incident, I'm not sure if you were there, when Robert Walls was a coach in his early days, and he pinned, I think Bernie Quinlan was a commentator, and pinned him to the wall after he had a go at uh, young Shacky, who was a forward for the Brisbane Bears at that time. What was it like mingling with the coaches back in those days? I can tell you, back in those days, particularly earlier than that, it was all a bit surreal when you look back now because Seven was owned by Christopher Scase and so were the Brisbane Bears. Yes. And then you'd be talking to Mr Matlock Police, Paul Cronin, who was like the CEO, and (laughs) I was all... and, And I'd be standing on the... And because we had to... Like you'd cram as much in as you could that day. So I'd I'd get choppered down from Brisbane to the Gold Coast, the royal treatment. And it was all because I had to get back after the game to put together a news story. And I used to write the news story on a notepad in the chopper on the way back, get back, voice it, and it'd be on the news that night. But down there, they had had fake palm trees that were brought in. They used to get the catering brought up from Melbourne. And and everything the players had to... um, to have for accommodation was demountables underneath all this. So you had all this superficial stuff for all the coterie groups. And out the back, after the games, and this is what I remember most, the, lot, the Bears were getting flogged. And Peter Knights was the coach. And they'd always say to me, get to the losing room straight away. We're going to come down to you. Mm. And I started to dread it because you'd go through into these demountables. Peter Knights would take them into the, a back room in the demountable and he would tear the paint off the walls. <laughs> getting into them because he was such an emotional coach, Peter Knights, and it was all new for him as well. But he would absolutely tear strips off them, and I'd be waiting out in the main area. The door would open, and then Knights would come out. I swear he had steam coming out of his ears, red face. The players would all sit around the perimeter of the room. Not a word was said, and I'd stand in the middle with Peter Knights, and they'd go, okay, cue. And it's like, you're so conscious about having to ask him questions when you know he's just ripped them another one in the rooms and yeah. I remember sort of whispering because I was, wasn't game to say too much in front of the players because oh that was intimidating Walsey was intimidating um he didn't he didn't suffer fools so mm. Walsey so you knew you had to be on your game with with Walsey um because he could be a, a really intimidating figure if you if you didn't know your stuff and but yeah he did um I think he chested up to Shacky in a, in a huddle there uh, at one stage. I remember that one. It was a famous incident. But uh, Lee Matthews, an absolute pleasure to deal with when it comes to coaches. Just um, He knew everything. He could, he could, he could give you great, um, great answers to questions. An absolute pleasure to deal with Lee Matthews. We're speaking with Bill McDonald here on SEN, talking about the evolution of footy up in Queensland, given Bill covered it up there for such a long time. When do you think the turning point was as to whether AFL footy could succeed in Brisbane? Was it when the Bears moved over to the capital city of Queensland from the Gold Coast? I have no doubt that it was when they moved to um, into Brisbane and the Gabba. And I think people of Brisbane who for so long had wanted an AFL team to embrace and support and cheer for, uh, they felt a bit slighted when Skase took them down to the Gold Coast. Um, but when they came back to Brisbane, 
that was when the people and the, the audience base and the, and the fan base up here really started to embrace them. Uh, and of course, as you work through, they, they made the finals then uh, with Robert Walls. I think it was in '96, and they had a great run to get into the finals, and that sort of really solidified their popularity as well. Went down again. They had they had the wooden spoon in '98 and hit rock bottom. But um, then once Lee Matthews took over, this was a bit of a masterstroke. All the talk that the AFL had a hand in who came up to coach. He just got instant respect, not only from the playing group, but people that didn't know a lot about AFL, um, they even knew about Lee Matthews and the legend of Lee Matthews. So it was like instant respect was gained by appointing this you know, huge figure, this legend of the game, to coach the Brisbane team. And of course, everyone got on board gathered momentum and the rest is history when we got to uh, to 2001, two, three. Mm. And of course, they made the grand final again in 2004. I mean, it's unheard of these days. I was going to ask you, how was that experience with the Gabba rocking? You obviously were originally at Channel 7, as we spoke about. You made the move to Channel 10 in the mid-90s. So you were there when they got the rights in 2002 to cover the footy. You were there as a boundary rider in 02 and 03 in particular when the Gabba was absolutely rocking and full witnessing one of the greatest teams of all time close at hand. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, I've often heard it spoken about, and it's true. Uh, on the ground, and I've tried to do interviews, and I've done interviews on the ground when the, when the place is full and, and jumping after the game, and you really struggle to hear the player answer the questions. And I, I, I couldn't hear the, uh, the producers or directors in the earpiece. The noise was that deafening. It is, it's a smaller ground, of course, than the MCG, but, gee, the atmosphere there is is amazing. It seems to, to catch the sound. It's, it's like a coliseum and, and they really are vocal. And it's, uh, when they were going and the lions of that era with your, your Vossies and your Ackermanners, Blacks, uh, Lappins and, and those sorts of guys, when they were running and gunning down through the middle of the Gabba, uh, it's like the, the crowd got to their feet, the cheering, the noise, it, it was deafening. And no wonder they, they became, it became such a fortress for the lions because I'm sure they would feel all that, and, and they did. They felt like they had a, an absolute parochial home crowd, crowd cheering them on every time they play. And I'm, I'm sure it, it urged them on and, and, uh, and sparked better performances from them. Uh, they were a great team, but, gee, they had great support. It, was, it, was, it put uh, goosebumps on you at some times, uh, especially when Bossy or someone like Jonathan Brown would kick you goal, mm. and the crowd really loved those favourites. We're speaking with Bill McDonald, a veteran journalist up in Queensland covering AFL footy and quite timely given what has happened this year where Queensland has become the home of AFL football. We mentioned about the coaches and your experiences interviewing them. What about some of the players, particularly from the early 2000s, those icons you mentioned, Michael Voss? What about Jason Akabatis after a game? Do you have any memorable stories or interviews that you had on the ground at the Gabba after a game with him in particular? No, Acker, man, Acker would always do his handstand yes. after we'd do an interview. And I got to know Acker personally, so, uh, which is another nice thing. I, I got to know a lot of the players personally because I guess, you know, particularly in the early days, they were, it was a bit of a frontier land up here for them. And, and really early days, they were, um, it was a bit of a mercenary group. So I'm not sure if you remember, but to, to form the player list, every club had to nominate two players to try and to get the list of 40 or 40 plus. And so... Uh, they weren't going to give good players away. So some of these guys were towards the end of their career. But I got to know them. You get to know them really well. And we sort of became mates. And, and Acker was one of those who we became mates with. And we used to do some media work together. And, um, and 
I've got to be honest, he didn't mind uh, He didn't mind telling a few secrets from behind the, uh, the closed doors at the club either, which as a, as a journo, a young journo, when you're looking for scoops, um, he, like I was all ears. So um, Acker was always good, always very articulate, always very savvy and uh, always happy to do interviews. Uh, Michael Voss was the same. It was uh, He's my favourite player when I look back on the years and uh, I just enjoyed talking to Vossi and I just loved watching him play. Um, I just felt that he was inspiring and he, he was a real captain and you could see he just lifted all the men around him and um, it was a joy to watch him play and interview him. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't really had any shockers. And I must admit, one of the things I used to bring to the boundary in the early days, because I had a journo background, I, I took it seriously and I thought, my job here is to get out and listen and try and hear what the coaches are saying, what the players are saying and report that back, you know, to to let the listener in on what they can't hear. So I actually used to try and get into the huddle and listen to what the coaches say. And it was funny back then, you'd get close and then the, some of the old trainers would come back and actually would have push and shove with you. And I'd go, mate, I can stand out here. I'm not in the road. I'm not in the huddle. <laughs> and I used to go back and make notes on what, what the coaches actually said and who they blasted and what they said to that player. Yeah. And I'll let you on a little secret at the gather because yeah. I knew the ground pretty well. So after the players ran out, and I've never told anyone this, after the players ran out, the game started, the first bounce got away. I used to sneak into the Lions dressing room and um, go for a leak. And while I was in there, I'd walk in and have a look at the board, the, the player board, where they have all the, the tactics before the team ran out. So <laughs> nothing, you know. And so I'd write all these things down as like, you know, give so-and-so uh, plenty of attention as often as possible. I'd kick it long to so-and-so. So I'd come out. And so for my first quarter one, I thought, oh, I must sound like a genius here. And <laughs> but I used to sneak it and have a look at the board. But um, Robert Walls was the coach then. And if he's listening and if he ever knew, he would kill me. <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable. Well, who knows? Uh, knowing some of the other journos out there these days, it wouldn't be surprised if it still happens in some way. We're yeah, spe- yeah. speaking with Bill McDonald here on SEN. We mentioned about the Channel 7 cause. What about the Channel 10 team? And many of them work here at SEN as well. I mean, Stephen Quartermain, Anthony Hudson, Malcolm Blight, that Channel 10 team. What were they like to work with? I know you mentioned Blighty before, but Quarters and Hutto, they were a great team. And that 0-2 grand final call was fantastic when the Lions won. Yeah, well, Blighty's just an out-and-out great fellow and a, and a champion. Uh, and every time Blighty tells me the story about that 70-metre uh, sausage roll he kicked from the wing that day in the final, I swear it's gone from 70 metres to 80 metres to 90 metres. It gets longer and longer every year, but yeah. uh, it was an amazing, uh, amazing goal. Yeah, Hutto, Hutto, the excitement you got with Hutto, uh, he'd take it right over the top. And, um, and Quarters is just the ultimate professional because I've worked with Quarters at 10 as well. Um, they had a great team, uh, Network 10. And um, during those years, I actually covered, um, when we weren't doing any of the boundary stuff, for the 01, 02 and 03, I got to cover as a, a bit of a, a local doco, like in bed with the Lions. So straight after the game, was out onto the ground, watching the presentations and then straight back into the dressing room. Mm. Oh, they were just fantastic memories. Just the crush in the dressing room at the MCG and the fans and, just the players were just so relieved and jubilant and getting caught up in all the hugs and all the showering of beer and all sorts of stuff. So <laughs> that's my memory of the Channel 10 days is that I, I didn't actually um, get to do a lot of boundary riding for those particular games, but um, because all the big boys would do it for the grand final, of course, and that was okay. But 
I thought my secondary role was not a bad one as well. Yeah, that's right, uh, particularly up there at the Gabba. Just a few more before we let you go. We're speaking with Bill McDonald here on SEN. These memories covering the Brisbane Lions in particular over the years and footy in Queensland. I mean, footy in that state went through a lean period for the best part of the last decade, didn't it, as far as performances are concerned. But the Lions are on an upward trend now, as we know, particularly in the last two years. Do you think that the interest, the level of interest in Queensland in the Lions and the Suns as well can be maintained in the code up there? Yeah, I really think it can, and you're 100% correct. They're very much, um, they'll stick with the winners, particularly, it's still a league state here, and they'll stick with the winners. And when the Lions were winning, they were hanging tough. I mean, there's a core of, um, of diehard Lions fans and AFL fans that it will be there regardless, but a lot of jump on the bandwagon, and that's, yeah. that's what's happening now. So a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon, if you like, and not in a bad way, but they notice they know they've got a contender and they know that this young team, you know, if you're Harris Andrews, you're Darcy Gardner's and, um, oh, and this, uh, this uh, Lockie Neal, he's, he's got to be a hot shot for the Brownlow medal, um, Charlie Camp, all those names, they know that they're young and they're going to be around for a few years to come. I've been watching the build-up to this point and they know that there's good times ahead, not just for this year, but further down the track. And I think the Suns have shown a bit. I was involved with the Suns for the first seven years as their host of their chairman's club. Mm. So we get to interview a lot of players and AFL officials through that and watched a lot of their games. And I think they're getting into a, into a window as well now where they're starting to unearth some good young players. And I think both sides are going to be more than competitive over the next three to five years, which off the back of this, having AFL finals and the, the centre of AFL spotlight being on Queensland, I, I think it's looking very, very positive for the uh, for this growth market for the code. I mean, they pour tens and tens of millions of dollars in up here, and I think they're going to start to see it coming back now. Uh, as much as it's been as a result of COVID that's been thrust on them, I think there's going to be a real upside to the AFL here. Bill McDonald with us here on SEN. Uh, it's been well publicised, particularly of late, that the TV industry in relation to sport as well as experiencing a tough time at the moment in this country with many people laid off due to falling ab revenue and there's the rise of social media and online streaming compounding upon that as well. As someone like you who's been at the news desk for many, many years, do you have fears for the future of free-to-air TV news and sports coverage? Yeah, I honestly do. Uh, I'd have to be fair income with you. I, uh, I just don't think... A lot of the traditional media have um, been able to find another funding model to run their businesses. Um, the Googles, the, the, the Facebooks, the social medias, as you say, the advertising money, the advertising market is just, the floor has opened up and it's just gone through the floor, the yeah. advertising money. And advertising is what kept commercial media ticking along. It's what paid the bills. And in, in lieu of more money coming in, and getting those advertisers back, I think that horse has bolted. Then on top of that, you've got the impact of COVID on all the sporting codes. So I do have fears for the future of um, commercial media. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I'd like to see it turn around, but I think we just have to think of things in a different way and we really have to, to use a COVID term that's become popular. They have to pivot and they have to pivot pretty quick to work out what the next funding base is going to be to take them into the next well, at this, at this stage, the next one to two to five years, because as we're seeing the Channel 7 and the cricket, yeah. um, 
I, I, I think that's just a, a purely financial decision. I, I don't think they can afford to pay all that. Um, we, we're seeing it across the board that um, it's just a really, really tough time uh, for commercial and traditional media at the moment. We're speaking with Bill McDonald here on SEN, a veteran Aussie Rules presenter and reporter over the years. He's seen football grow in the Sunshine State. As I let you go, Bill, it's been fun chatting with you. Can the Lions win the flag and will you be at the Gabba on Grand Final Day? Damien, I'll uh, be trying my best to get a ticket. <laughs> I'm not in the media these days, so yeah. it's going to be an absolute logjam to get a ticket. I've got my best mate. Um, he's a Lions uh, member and I've said, look, put me on your list. I want a ticket. So he's going to try and get tickets for us. Uh, I think the Lions can win the premiership and I think it would be such such a wonderful occasion if they could get into the grand final for a start. Uh, but to win it, it would be something else. And I know that it's not going to be in the 100,000 seat MCG. It'll be 30,000 at the Gabba. But as I said before, 30,000 at the Gabba, if the Lions are there, they will make it sound like the MCG. And I know the Queensland government have got a lot of activities and activations to take the code to rural and regional Queenslanders so that it feels like everybody is getting behind this. And I hope the Lions feel that. I'm sure they will. Um, so I'm going to tip the Lions. And I think Port Adelaide... Well, I'm going to put four. Port Adelaide, Richmond or Geelong. I think they're the four. Mm. It'll be one of those four, and I hope it's the Lions. I think they can do it. Well, we'll see what happens. It'll be quite fitting given Queensland has ostensibly saved the AFL season. So hopefully the locals there embrace it. Bill, really appreciate your time this evening. It's been a real blast chatting with you and hearing some of those stories. All the best for the future and I guess good luck uh, following the Lions over the coming weeks. Lovely to chat, Damien. Thanks for the... Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Time. Nice to go back down memory lane. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.